are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Brewers podcast brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, where we talk about your favorite teams every day. I'm your host, Jake Mastriani, and you can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. And joining me is my co-host, Vinny Rotino, and you can follow him on Twitter as well at Vinny Rotino. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Brewers and subscribe to the Lockdown Brewers podcast wherever you get your podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be breaking down a little trade that the Brewers made on Friday. We're also going to, uh, hopefully, if we have time, get into some of our Twitter questions, talking about no-hitters and unwritten rules. Should be some good discussions there. Um, before we do that, let me remind you this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app now and join me the next time I go live during a Brewers game. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Let's start off the podcast today uh, breaking down some big news. And Vinny, the Mariners claimed Jacob Nottingham off waivers again. That's crazy, right? Big news of the day. That's the big news of the day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is kind of interesting news. <laughs> um, they, they got him and some cash from the yeah. Brewers. Uh, yeah. That's crazy. That's news. Yeah. Let's move on. Have a good one. <laughs> yeah, See ya. That, that's it. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> but that, that is just kind of crazy interesting to me that the, the Mariners picked him up again. I guess he'll, maybe they'll give him back to the Brewers for, and give that cash back at some point. But that is not what we are going to be talking about here today. There was a big trade uh, between the Brewers and the Rays on Friday. The Brewers traded J.P. Fireisen, local product, and Drew Rasmussen to the Rays for Willie Adamas and Trevor Richards. Now, before we get into it and, and break down uh, let me just tell you a little bit about both of these guys. Uh, Damas was a three-war player back in 2019 for the Rays, but most of that came from the defensive side as he only hit 254. However, he did hit 20 home runs that year, but a lot of people hit 20 home runs in 2019. Uh, but Adamas does come with a little bit of pop. Uh, he's been slow out of the gate in 2021. He's slashing just 197, 254, 371. Again, does, have, does bring some pop with five home runs. His K percentage the last two years, 2020 and 2021, has been around 35%, which is terrible. <laughs> but again, he's a plus defender at shortstop. Uh, and obviously, Brewers aren't getting that right now with Urias. Uh, but can't, can't overlook the offensive struggles that Adamas has had. Uh, certainly hasn't been much better than Urias at the plate, uh, but perhaps will be an, an upgrade defensively. And then Richards, a 28-year-old righty, uh, who just recently became a full-time reliever. He came up in the big leagues as a starter, started 25 games in 2018 with the Marlins, and started 23 games in 2019 with decent ERA numbers in those uh, two years. I think his ERA was in the fours, mid-fours. Uh, so not bad there for a back-of-the-rotation back starter. Uh, but last year he started and relieved some for the Rays, posting a 5.91 ERA in 32 innings with 27 strikeouts. This year, he has a 4.50 ERA in 12, 12 innings with 16 strikeouts to three walks. Uh, throws a fastball in the low 90s, 50% of the time, uh, and then mixes in a changeup, which is his best secondary pitch, and gets some high whip rate. So that's what the Brewers are getting in this trade. They're getting um, a solid defensive shortstop who has had some struggles offensively, and they're getting uh, probably bottom of 
of the bullpen reliever in Richard, somebody that would probably pitch in some low leverage situation. So, Benny, uh, give you give you the first shot here. Your overall um, just take on the on the trade on the return for the Brewers in this one. Really, you're gonna make me. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna make you go first here to to save uh, to save this podcast. <laughs> Or just, yeah, okay. Um, I think the uh, the trade, and you won't hear David Stearns say it, but it, it was because because Urias can't throw. I mean, how do you have a shortstop with this pitching staff that they have? With, with a shortstop, he, he can't throw the ball. It, it, you just can't have that. I mean, there are outs that need to be made without a doubt, 100% of the, 99.9% of the time in the major leagues by shortstops, second basemans, third basemans. First base, you can get a little away with a little, you know, kind of suspect play, I feel like, on, on just ground balls. The three six one double play doesn't happen that often. But I'm telling you, those three positions on the baseball diamond, and third base is overlooked in terms of how important it is. But those three positions, in my opinion, are the most important, and, and you have to have solid defenders there. Um, it just might take him why it happened. Are we going to, are the Brewers going to get that going forward with Adamas? Yes, they are. So they, they filled a need there. Could they have gotten it from Pablo Reyes? Probably. Or, or Daniel Robinson? Probably. I think that the idea is that there's some upside here to the bat, the ability to, to leave the yard, hit some home runs. Um, there's a shortstop for the Brewers back in the day uh, named uh uh, Hernandez, um, who set a record for strikeouts in the major leagues. I think it's been totally shattered since then. Um, but that was the kind of player he was at 20 home runs and played really good defense. Jose Hernandez, his name was. And uh, you're going to – that's – honestly, it just matters how – how especially with the roster makeup with this team, you got to have a guy that can pick it and throw it over to first base. Is it a win trade? Is that If that's what you're going to hold me, <laughs> I don't – did the Brewers win this trade? I, I, I'm, I'm going to plead the fifth, Jake. So um, I, I just – I like Trevor Richards. I think he, he can be like a Swiss Army knife type of arm as well. I think that he can maybe even slot in as that sixth starter at some point as well because I think every team, most teams are going to that six-man rotation this year. So I think there's some value to him. I, he's got a, a plus, maybe even double plus changeup at times. So – um, I don't think it's that big of a, of a, you know, of a loss in terms of the, that that's a, a poorly worded statement. Um, it, I don't think the Brewers lost this trade by like a landslide by any means. I think they've filled some holes. They've created some holes as well in the bullpen. So guys are going to need to step up. I don't know. I, knowing Stearns, he'll try and piece it together and figure it out in the bullpen and bullpens are finicky anyway. So it's, it's a weird, it's a weird day. Let's just say that for the yeah. Brewers. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about, you don't know who won this trade. I can tell you who won the Luis Urias, Trent Grisham, <laughs> Zach Davies and Eric Lauer trade in it. It's not the Brewers. I think that is the, the final uh, nail in the coffin for that trade. And this, and as far as, you know, I'm concerned anyway, I know the Brewers really wanted Urias to be that guy, but I don't know. We'll get, I'm going to get into more of that in the second segment. I'm going to kind of save my, my thoughts on that one. Cause um, as far as, you know, I, I'm shocked. This is the second what trade. A cop out. 
Yeah. Or a cop out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you get, made me go. All right, go I'm ahead. gonna I'm gonna get into it. I'm gonna get into it. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, but I, I do I want I want I just want to focus on this the trade in particular right now and what the the brewers are getting. And Vinny, are they not getting I guess they're getting a little bit more power, but I mean this makes the Orlando Arcia trade to me make even less sense. Um and maybe Adamas has a little bit more control. Maybe he's a little bit more controllable. I don't. I don't know. Um, I think he. Okay, he has. He's. He's a team controllable through twenty twenty four. So maybe he has a little bit more control there. Twenty five years old, but this makes the RC trade make no sense to me. If you were going to, if you were committed to Arias, and you were going to let him have the job, which I didn't think he deserved. I went on record, and I think both of us were kind of in the same boat there. I thought. Arcia should have gotten the job to begin with. But if you made that move trading Arcia, you're going to give Arias the job and then you give him six weeks and now you're pulling the plug on him. Uh, I just don't get what this front office is doing right now. I don't, I don't understand what their logic is, what their thinking is with this trade. I mean, I get it. You've seen Arias can do that. And like you said, the throwing stuff, and we've talked about it, that's not just something that you can fix so you got to go out and, and try to fix it but i don't know they, they they put a lot of stock into arias being the the shortstop you know at least for this year and i know they wanted it to be of the future and now that's that's gone we're two months a month and a half into the season and they're pulling the plug on that so let me interject let me interject right here really quick mm-hmm. because i think you you really nailed it on the last podcast i think we we both talked about um well you nailed it from the fact that like and i didn't think it was going to happen you were like they got to find a solution mm-hmm. there's just you, you just can't send the kid down and then he'll, he'll be back up in two weeks like it's a hitting adjustment it's a mental throwing thing it doesn't get fixed that quickly if if ever um and so and then i made the comment of i can't this is this i said i said this i said this feels like the first time stern's may kind of not ride out a decision right because there's something called regress to the mean and, and all this and, and where if you start out poorly you're going to kind of re- uh, regress to the mean meaning you're going to go back to your you know what you usually do right if you're not a strikeout guy and you're striking out a bunch you're probably not going to strike out very well after the sample size is big enough so I think Stearns has done a phenomenal job of doing that with his moves and with his players that don't seem like great moves at first and then you just kind of ride it out. And, and it's a lot of them have worked out because of that, because you give a guy enough sample to like figure it out. This one, all this felt not from the get-go, just recently because of the throwing stuff. He, it felt like, and you nailed it. You were like, they're going to do something. And I'm like, I would have usually disagreed with you because <laughs> I would have said, no, he's going to ride it out. But this one felt like they were going to do something and they weren't going to just, um, let him try to figure it out because it's just, it's too big of a, it's too big of an issue. And so, um, yeah, nice job by Jake. Um, but <laughs> unfortunately for the Brewers, yeah, it just, it, it was a deal and it was a move that just did it. It hasn't looked in, in, in the optics of it from the public opinion, just it, it's not looked great so far. Yeah. The, the whole, yeah, the whole deal. And what kind of led me to that was the quote from Council the other night. And again, I'm highly paraphrasing this in the way that I read it, but he basically said, we're trying to be a playoff team. We can't have this happen. And once I, I read that, I thought, okay, 
they're they're getting ready to pull the plug on this kid. They're they're tired of tired of seeing throwing errors. Council's tired of it, and that's what kind of led me to think, okay, they're they're considering doing something here, whether that's sending him down and giving somebody else a look there. Um, but I mean, this is a, a pretty big trade. I mean, Adamas is. Uh, had some moments for the Rays, um, so it's a pretty big trade. But I don't want to keep hopping on the RC a trade. But that was my mindset in the beginning of the year: is if you want to be a playoff team, you know what you're going to get in RC. He's going to be a an eight hole hitter. He's going to give you solid defense. You know, you weren't sure what you were going to get out of Arias, but they decided to go with Arias anyway. So again, I need to quit talking about RC. He's gone. Um, I feel like I'm leader of the fan club now, but. Uh, it just, it just, it's not that I really even love RC all that much. It's just, it didn't make sense. Why didn't you do that out of the gate? And now we're a month and a half in and you're like, okay, we can't, we got to have somebody at shortstop that we can trust. Like, yeah, you didn't know that from the beginning. So anyways, going on a rant there, we're going to talk more about this trade. I want to dive into it a little bit uh, deeper before we do that. Let me tell you about Wealthfront. Decades of data show that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every year. In fact, only 1% of day traders beat the market. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone. Team up with Wealthfront instead. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences that you control. Wealthfront can even help you lower the taxes you pay as you invest. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB. And to get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T.com slash locked on MLB to start growing your savings today. So, Vinny, I want to continue talking about the trade and the, the fallout of, a, of that trade. And I want to read some, um, some, some quotes from David Stearns uh, after the trade today. And I'm getting this from Adam McCauley's Twitter page here. Uh, he says, this was not a reaction to Luis Urias' recent defensive issues. Big lie. The Brewers have been pushing for Willie Adamas for months, according to Stearns. That could be true. I don't know. But the first part of that, I, I can't believe that statement at all i'm sorry i mean i hate to just call it flat out call somebody a liar but to say this was not a reaction to luis rios recent defensive issues i just i can't get on board with that um second part of it he said arias becomes a utility guy essentially uh stearns made the case they still like him and think he's a big part of the future though it appears that means in a more limited role um and then he just goes on to say when adamas and richards will likely join the team but uh, vinnie those two first comments there <laughs> Again, I get it. He's a front office person. You got to have, you got to protect the player a little bit. Arias is still on this team. So you got to, um, you know, you got to play nice there. But do you really think this move had nothing to do with his recent defensive issues? No, I don't believe that. Um, I don't know why. Yeah, I, I, I guess the reason why he has to go that route is because, okay, if he says, um, we had to get someone that can pick it. Okay, well, you have Daniel Robertson, and you have Pablo Reyes, and you have – I think that's about it. I think there's another guy in AAA that can that can actually play shortstop. Um, and D. Gordon that can play shortstop. Yeah, D. Gordon. Yeah, D. Gordon. Yeah, so, so why not just have one of those guys if you're just going for defense? Well, 
um, the idea is that um, that's why he can't say that because because he because that's essentially not the real reason, right? So they still believe in Adamus. So it's part of the reason. But it, but if he if he if he goes that route with the answer to that question, then then um, then they don't believe in Adamus is bad. If that makes sense, right? So they still right. believe in Adamus is a, is a bad or a productive major league player, whereas these other three guys haven't really proven it and probably aren't really that productive. Eight hundred type of OPS, seven fifty to eight hundred type of OPS bats. So they still believe he's only twenty five. There's some hope for him. I mean. I mean, he's right in that sweet spot of learning how to hit. Um, problem is the strikeouts, right? That's a huge indicator that he won't. But um, at least hit for power and hopefully get on base and then play really good defense. I, I think that with, with, from a player with control, I think that's pretty attractive. And that's why he can't necessarily go that route. Like, you know, we made this move because of the defensive struggles from Arias. So I don't know, that's just my take on it. But I agree. It's it just it, – you can, it feels a little political, right? Mm-hmm. The way the, that he's been answering these questions, but it kind of has to be. Yeah. And the other part of that too is he says Arias becomes a utility guy. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's a question, but is Adamus the full-time shortstop now and Arias is just going to be filling in here and there? Is that how you view this trade? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I didn't. Yeah. So that was telling. I think that that was the most telling thing about all of his answers. Like Adamus is our shortstop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay. Arias is, Arias is out. Like yeah. just like that. Um, so that's what I think is like read between the lines. He was being political, but at the same time, very direct in that answer mm-hmm. and saying like Arias is out. So kind of figure it out guys. It is because of the throwing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but I can't really say that. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. Cause like I said, Arias is still part of this team. He's, you know, they say yeah. he's still going to be part of the future. We'll we'll see uh, what becomes of that. Um, so, yeah, Adamus is a st- shortstop going forward. We'll see what happens with Urias. I, I kind of feel like if he's not going to be an everyday player, though, then it does make sense to send him down to AAA and let yeah, him yeah. continue to play every day there. Uh, I mean, like I know we said, you know, the defensive stuff's really not going to be worked out there, but at least it'll be a less stressful environment. He'll get more one-on-one work uh, with some of the – the on-field and structures down there. Um, so I think there is some benefit to that, him being able to go down uh, and be able, again, go to a little bit less pressure environment uh, where he can relax a little bit and work on some things. But that would be like the third time he's he's done that now. So, I mean, at some point, he's got to figure it out at the major league level if he's ever going to be, you know, if he's ever going to be a major league player. So I think the future for Arias is uh, – in question at this point would not be surprised if he gets traded at some point this year. Uh, but yeah, according to Stearns, you know, the way I read that Adamus is the shortstop going forward. Arias will, will spell somebody every now and then. Um, I, I was going to say come in for a late game defensive replacement, but definitely not have, happening there. <laughs> Jeez, um, yeah. Sorry. I'm being a little, a little harsh. On no, this one here. no, it's a, I mean, go at it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 really questioning everything I understand about the Brewers front office right now. Um, but the other part of this, because I wanted to talk about this, too, because J.P. Fireisen was included in this trade. I mean, Fireisen was, I mean, the seventh, eighth inning guy for this team. I know he's had some hiccups here lately, but not only that, Vinny, he's a local product. I mean, he's somebody that the fans could really get behind, was having a breakout season. 
you know, from the area and, and the Brewers just up and trade them. That to me was, you know, one of the bigger things in this trade to, to give up on a guy like that, who, you know, the fan base can all get behind because he is a local guy. He's having a great season and then they move him as well. That was the thing that came to my mind immediately when I heard about this trade, like, Oh, everyone loves that guy. I love that guy. Right, Never met yeah. him, but I love that guy. Um, and so that was, that was tough. And it's six years of control. It's six years of control of both these guys or, or maybe five, five and a half. I, I don't know. Uh, whatever, but it's, um, a lot of control. <laughs> it's a lot of control from two two good relievers that are – Drew Rasmussen didn't love him, but at the end of the day, he's going to continue to improve. He's one of those guys that's just going to continue to refine his stuff, his slider. Um, and if anyone can tap into that, it's going to be the Tampa Bay Rays. They just have a knack for that, all these relievers to do that. Um, and then they'll probably flip him for like a – a roll seven <laughs> frontline starter or something Yeah. Um, after two, a couple of years. But um, so, and then Fireheisen though, like you said, like, huh, I mean, he's figured out that changeup. I, I, I saw a stat where he was like second in the big leagues and whiff rate this year or something like that. Yeah. Um, which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. I mean, I know that's a, uh, it was a smallish sample and it was kind of a novelty in terms of like that new pitch, that new changeup that he's learned and, and the command was just outstanding. He, he just, ah, it's just a tough one to swallow to lose him. Not only because of the performance, I think the performance is going to, is going to, he's going to come back from those couple of hiccups that he's that he had lately. But um, is he, he's a local guy. Everyone loves JP Fireheisen, and I feel exactly. like, yeah. So, uh, but Trevor Rogers, I think worked at the brewery one summer or something like that. So, okay. um, <laughs> so we got that uh, i think he's from i think he's from near here so uh, i don't look, know maybe look, he'll look, look for favorite. something looking for something out of this uh benny so thanks for <laughs> thanks for digging i think there. he's from i think he's from right over the border okay. um in illinois somewhere and he came up one summer to work at the brewery and, and he, it's kind of a similar story to who's that catcher the braves had that was working ski lifts and stuff like that um evan, evan gaddis uh, gaddis kind of a similar story where he played indie ball Right. And then he uh, gets signed by the Marlins. And then um, I don't know, out of it, out of the frontier league, I believe, like a league that no one ever gets signed out of. Um, and then he makes the big leagues like two years later and in like two summers before he was like working at the brewery. I'm, I'm not kidding. I mean, it's kind of a cool story, but okay. anyway. All right. Well, I'm still <laughs> still sad we lost JP. I, I liked me too. I liked that guy. <laughs> All right. Final final just quick thoughts on this trade. Because they, they trade some good depth from the bullpen. I like Rasmussen. I think I think he's going to be a really good reliever. Um, and, again, like you said, going to the Rays, they'll probably turn him into an elite reliever, although the Brewers are good with that too. Um, but your overall just thoughts on the trade, you know, because everything, you know, it, what it should be about is the Brewers being a better team. Are the Brewers a better team today? Not, you know, obviously there's, like we said, those relievers have some control. But today, are the Brewers a better team because of this trade? Absolutely, in my opinion. I mean, how can you argue with that, to be honest? I mean, because they didn't have a shortstop, right? Now they have a shortstop, a guy that they can plug in every single day. I mean, they are a better team today. Did they? Now they lost the seventh, their seventh-inning guy and then a, a multi-inning, like, kind of was pitching in leverage spots as well. 
but I, I watch watch a couple of guys emerge and, and kind of step in. That's nothing to take away from from what JP and um, Drew Rasmussen were doing. Um, it's not because they were both pitching very well. I just think you can't even come close to winning without a, a capable shortstop, and, and the Brewers have that now. Yeah, absolutely. I think shortstop, like you talked about at the beginning, shortstop, center field, catcher, you know, always talk about up the middle. got to be strong defensively. Sitting here watching this game tonight, Lorenzo Kane makes a great uh, catch in, in the in the um, in the gap there. Uh, so, I mean, you got, you know, some really improved defense. So I think Brewers are definitely better there. And I think Madamas does bring some more pop, which this lineup uh, doesn't have. Uh, the swing and miss is going to to bother me just because I'm not a huge fan of all the strikeouts. Uh, but I am concerned about about the middle relief. Stearns mentioned Brad Boxberger, Brent Suter, and Eric Yardley as guys that can fill in those roles ahead of Williams and Hayter. Um, that doesn't really bring a ton of optimism to me. Um, so I am still a little worried about that considering the bullpen hasn't been great already. But like you said, shortstop's the primary position. You, you got to have somebody to go out there every day that you can trust it's going to get the job done, back up this good pitching staff and get, get the outs that they're supposed to get. Uh, we'll take another break, and then we'll quickly try to get into some of your questions if we have some time. Before we do that, let me remind you, this show is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. If you're looking for a fantastic tasting protein bar, then look no further. Built Bar has a ton of flavors and a wide variety of flavors at that. It's just not your regular chocolate, chocolate chip, fudge, or cookies and cream, which don't get me wrong, are still a lot of my favorites. But they also have a bunch of uh, coconut flavors. They got almond toffee, mint, dark chocolate raspberry, uh, peanut butter fudge is a really good one that I enjoy. There's just a ton of really interesting, really cool flavors you don't normally get in protein bars. Something that tastes good and is not hard as a rock, which I appreciate, like a lot of other uh, protein bars that break your teeth off when you bite into them. This has a very soft middle, so it's easy to get down. Uh, you can eat them for a snack. You can have them as a meal replacement before workout, after workout. You really can eat them anytime. I can't tell you enough how good they are, especially for a protein bar. So go to BuiltBar.com today. Try a bunch of different flavors to figure out which ones are your favorites. Go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off your next order. Just go to BuiltBar.com today and use the promo code LOCKEDON15. All right, Benny, uh, we're going to try and get to a couple of questions real quick. A lot, a lot of things um, permeating throughout the sport of baseball this past week, talking about some unwritten rules and, uh, you know, the game of baseball in general with all the no hitters. Uh, the question came from the Braxton K. He said, I'd love to hear yours and Benny's opinion on 3-0 swings up by 10-plus runs. I say let them play. And then Greg Zimmerman says, I agree. I'd also like to hear your opinions on the unwritten rules of baseball and also your opinions on the way Tony the Rusa has been handling the situation. So uh, Vinny, I don't know if you're aware of what happened in the White Sox twins game earlier this week, but basically I think they were up by 10 runs or something. Uh, the twins put in a position player. He's up there just tossing 45 miles per hour into the zone. And your Mercedes, who has been one of the best stories in baseball this year, uh, gets a three Oh ball ball up in the, up in the zone and just cranks it out. Uh, and it, you know, sent his own manager in a fit. He got thrown at the next day. Uh, what's your opinions on, you know, swinging 3-0 when you're up big? Uh, you think it's okay for guys to do that? No, I don't think so. Not like that. I, I, it's because um, 
they're conceding the game, right? They have a position player in. It's 3-0. You're up by 10. They're basically conceding the game. So you kind of it, – it'd be the same thing as um, – in, in the NFL, and I and I know guys, some people agree with this, but I, I think, like, you don't want to – so you're up by 40, and it's third and seven with two minutes left. Are you going to – you're not going to, you know, kneel on it? I mean, you're going to – I mean, it's the same exact thing, in my opinion. Or you're up by 50 in an NBA game, and you're going to start, like, you know – you know, running your best defense and running your, your, your best lineup out there and uh, not your best defense, but your best, you know, plays. And, and I don't know, I just, we're not, we're not, an, we're not an NBA pod, Vinny. Let's not get into the basketball. Realm. You're right. Let me, <laughs> let, me, let me slow down here. <laughs> I believe in the unwritten rules of the game. I think that when, when a team is just, they're just totally out of it they're they're just kind of throwing their their last reliever out of the pen or even a position player it's like they're there's like no chance to come back in the game it's the eighth or ninth inning there's like four outs to play with or something like that I mean they're just kind of conceding the game and just getting through it I mean there is no there is no clock right I mean VA talks about this all the time on the broadcast there is no clock to baseball so you actually have to get all the outs so it's not like you're trying to give yourself up to make outs but you're you're just not the rules are just a little bit different, you know, and I, I, and I believe in those unwritten rules. You just, it's a little bit of um, just like embarrassing the other team. You know, you're competing against them. You're not trying to embarrass them. Um, you're trying to beat them. You're not trying to embarrass them. That's my take. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I think we're going to differ a little bit here. Although I like your point on the, the football aspect, even though I know we're trying not to get into other sports because we don't know what we're talking about, but <laughs> Uh, you know, normally when you're up 40 in a football game, you're just going to run the ball, right? You're not going to keep throwing the ball downfield. So uh, that aspect of it makes sense. But at the same time, I think it's embarrassing to put a position player on the mound. Um, you know, no offense to you. you. I know you could do it all. Um, but <laughs> I, I think not it's well. A, <laughs> I guess I could do it, but I'm not well. Yeah, exactly. But I think that <laughs> ruins the integrity of the game itself to just put a position player up there that's just a lollipop in 45 miles per hour in the zone. Uh, I don't like seeing that. That bothers me almost as much as anything. You know, being a 3-0 count, you're up 10. Yeah, it's kind of a bad look. And if LaRusso gave him the take sign and he just ignored it, then that's that's really bad on your mean. And he should be even benched, in my, my opinion, for that. You don't just ignore signs. But I, I don't know that exactly that that's what happened. That's what LaRusso said happened. So you got to kind of take him at his word. I, I don't really have – you know, if he didn't get a take sign, I don't really have a problem with him swinging. That team decided to put a position player on the mound. They can deal with the consequences that come with that. I mean, your means up there, what's he going to do? Just sit up there and, and strike out, you know, against a position player. And then he he's the one getting embarrassed. So I, I don't really fault him for that. Anybody that gets a hit off a position player in a blowout game. Uh, so I don't, you know, I don't necessarily agree that he, he should swing 3-0 again if he had the take sign up that much. But at the same time, what's he going to do? I mean, you're, you're the team that decided to throw the white flag and give up on the game. Just forfeit it. I mean, I, I would rather see a team just forfeit the game rather than put a position player out there and then get upset when that position player gives up a, a tank. I, I don't understand that from that team's side of things. You decide to That's put a position player. Thing. Yeah, they decided to give up on the game. So they decided to put a position player on the mound. And now you're upset because that position player gave up a home run. I don't, I don't get it from that point of view myself. 
that's an interesting take. Yeah, I don't I don't think that he should have thrown at him. You're right. At that point, the game is kind of out of hand and just you're right. It's it's kind of embarrassing in general once the game gets that out of hand where a position player and, and you're and you're also right on the 45 mile hour lob balls that are, are going in the zone from position players. I don't necessarily like that either. I think that's why you have like a Daniel Robertson type of guy on your roster that if you need to you need a guy to throw, I mean, be respectable and, and you know, hit 78 miles an hour with your heater, not 45. Right. I mean, those lob balls, you're right. It is kind of embarrassing to watch. Yeah. I mean, the Braves had uh, Charlie Culberson the last couple of years who could come in. I mean, I think he was throwing in the 90s uh, as a position yeah. player coming in. I mean, you got – I feel like every team, you know, has that – maybe not every team, but a lot of teams have that player, you know, everybody pitched in little league and even into college, a lot of guys still pitch. So almost everybody has somebody on that team that can come in and at least, you know, look respectable on the mound, but Wilson, Nostadio or whoever it was for the twins. I mean, he was literally just tossing 45 miles per hour up to the plate. That, that to me is embarrassment to the game in itself. Um, Yeah. Moving on from that. I want to get to a brew crew beans question. Uh, she said, I have a question as someone who is still learning the intricacies of baseball. How many no hitters is too many no hitters? I always thought they were a rare achievement, but it seems quite common all of a sudden. Uh, Vinny, we've seen six no hitters, I believe, already this season, which is just absurd. I mean, to answer your question, Brew Crew Beans, that is that is not normal <laughs> to see that many no hitters, especially mm-hmm. this, this early in the season. I don't necessarily know the reason for it. I know I know batting averages are at an all-time low. I know strikeout numbers are at an all-time high. So, I mean, pitching is definitely dominating right now in the game of baseball. I actually talked about it on a, another podcast that I do. I think it's Vinny – I think a lot of it has to do with because hitters don't change their approach. They're going up there with one thing on their mind, and that's to try to hit a baseball as hard as can, they can. And there's not really a lot of adjustments being made. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Also, pitchers are just really good good nowadays, Vinny. I 100% agree on that. Um, there's multiple reasons. I do think the ball's dead. <clears throat> so I think, I think with the launch angle, guys are chasing launch angle, chasing, trying to hit homers. Where, I mean, you would see fly balls that weren't necessarily hit that well get out of the ballpark last year. I think. I think they've really deadened the ball. Well, so so my point in saying that is I think guys were getting rewarded for for that kind of swing just to try and chase loft. Um, and, and teams were – I mean, teams are teaching that to their prospects in the minor leagues as well, like try and get launch angle. So I, I, I think that's an easy swing to pitch to in terms of like needing – so when you execute against a swing like that, you can really set guys up. They're going to be out. And so um, – you, you you don't really see the, the types of guys that are really going to grind. Like you said, change it up with two strikes, change up their approach, even even with, um, you know, early in the count type of approach. Okay, take your shot. And then even when you get to like 1-1, one, one, all right, let me just try and like battle and, and I'm going to – like a Colton Wong type approach, right, where he's going to yeah. keep his front front side on the ball and spray it all over, the, all over the yard. Now he might take his chances early in the count. I think he actually does do that. Um, and then he, he kind of like just tries to spray it around later in the count, especially, I think maybe even when, when he gets to one strike, so not three, one, obviously, but, um, other th- one strike counts. 
I don't know. It's it's a tough game to watch at times because of that right now. Um, I I do think it has something to do with how high the strike zone is. So, I mean, that's getting into the weeds a little bit for, for the question that was asked. No, it's not common to see this many no-hitters. Um, I would count even seven no-hitters if you count Madison Baumgartner's seven-inning no-hitter. Right. You could count seven of them. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm I'm rooting for less no-hitters now, which is a weird thing to root for because yeah. it's kind of like embarrassing. Like, oh, there's 21 no-hitters in 2021. Like, oh, great. <laughs> Game, game's really weird right now. That's yeah. that's the takeaway. You know what I mean? It's not like some major accomplishment. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm kind of numb to him at this point. I mean, typically I can t- tell you throughout the year who all has thrown a no hitter. I honestly cannot tell you who all has thrown a no hitter <laughs> so far this year. There's like great said, there, point. There, there's been six of them. So I, I think I'm a little numb to him at this point. I think it's gotten a little bit ridiculous. They're not as, um, uh, they're still rewarding. I mean, if I threw one, if I'm one of those guys, I'm going to celebrate it, you know, like the huge achievement that it is but i think from sure. a fan standpoint it's watered down a little bit this year just because the game is in such a weird place offensively um but appreciate the questions and sorry this is a little bit longer pod but a lot of great stuff and a lot of things to dive into here so um hope you enjoyed the show but that will do it for this episode of locked on brewers be sure to follow us on twitter at locked on brewers follow me at shortstop ball and Vinny at Vinny rutino Also, make sure you subscribe to the Lockdown Brewers podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.